Father Bryce, welcome back to The Cross Stands as we continue to ask the question, what do we believe? Today, we've made it to the part of the creed where we speak of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Jesus Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and became man. So what, what do we believe about Mary, and why is that important? The first thing to remember is what the Catechism says in paragraph 47. What the Catholic faith believes about Mary is based on what it believes about Christ. And what it teaches about Mary illumines in turn its faith in Christ. In other words, it's all about Jesus. And any time that we speak about the work of any of the saints, of which Mary is the greatest, any time that we speak about the work of any human person, of which Mary is the greatest, Remember, we learned last time that Jesus is a divine person with a divine and human nature. So we can say that Mary is the greatest human person while knowing that Jesus is greater because Jesus is God. But Jesus isn't a human person. He's a divine person with a human nature. But putting that to the side for now, Mary is the greatest human person to ever live. Period. Because Mary most perfectly cooperated with God. In in the book, uh, in the letter of James in the New Testament, it says that there should be a synergy, a working together of God's work and human work. That's the word in Greek. It's synerge. It's a verb actually right there in Greek in the letter of James. There should be a synergy. And so the, the better we cooperate with the gift of God, the better we cooperate with the gift of God, then the holier we are. And, and then the God is just able to work through us because we have given him permission to do that. We have chosen to work with him. We have used rightly the free will that he has given to us. And so Mary, because she never sinned, Mary cooperated perfectly with God's will. She provides an example for us and she provides great lessons in the spiritual life. Because she's, she's the mother of Jesus the mother of God, it, it's what we believe about Mary in a sense surrounds and protects that which we believe about Jesus. Not so differently than as Mary, even in her body, surrounded and protected Jesus as he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and in his human body was formed and grew and developed for those nine months in her womb. In, in an analogy to how the physical body of Jesus was protected by the physical body of Mary as he spent those nine months from March 25th to December 25th growing in her womb, so too all the things that we believe about Mary surround and protect and uh, magnify those things we believe about Jesus. Just like Mary says in the Bible, in the Gospel of Luke, my soul magnifies the Lord. So the Catechism speaks of three things in particular which we believe about Mary. It's a summary. It's not everything, but it's three things, three very important things. First of all, the first title that Mary is ever given, uh, at least that Mary is directly given, comes from the mouth of God through the ministry of the angel Gabriel. Angel Gabriel appears to Mary and he says, Kyrie kakaratomene. He said, or at least that says how it's written in the Greek version of Matthew, which we have. He says, Hail 
full of grace. Not Matthew. That's in Luke. Uh, That's in the gospel according to Luke. He says, Hail full of grace. Mary is full of grace. And as the church reflected upon this mystery of Mary being full of grace, what does it mean for Mary to be full of grace? As through the, centuri- through the centuries, we came to unpack more and more, the- guided by the Holy Spirit, of course, this mystery of Mary being full of grace, we, we see that-, that Mary was filled with grace even from the moment of her conception. That Mary was so filled with grace that actually God gave her a special grace. That by the merits of Jesus Christ, given to her in advance, she was spared the contamination of original sin. She was spared the inheritance, the bad inheritance of original sin, which all the rest of us have received as a result of the fall, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Hail full of grace. Uh, One theologian said it this way. He said, well, there's two ways that somebody can be saved from a pit. So, you know, we're walking along a path and we fall into a pit and it's deep and it can't get out. There's two ways that somebody can be saved from the pit. One is that I fall in the pit and then somebody comes and gets a rope or whatever and pulls me out of the pit. That's what happens to us when we're baptized. We're caught in the pit of original sin, and then Jesus, by his grace, through the grace of baptism, comes and pulls us out of the pit. For Mary, though, it, it worked this way. Imagine that you're walking along in the forest and you're about to fall into the pit, but somebody comes and stops you. And they said, hey, hey, don't go, don't, don't go there. And they, they, they move you so that you don't fall into the pit. Well, both people were saved from the pit. The person who fell in was saved from the pit. And the person who, who didn't fall in was also saved from the pit by the action of the other person who came to help. It's very similar with, with Mary. She was saved from original sin in advance by the merits of Christ on the cross being applied to her beforehand and making her really full of grace. And by this grace, And by Mary's free choice, she remained free of every personal sin her whole life long. She never committed a sin. Praise God for that. So Mary was conceived immaculately. Mary was full of grace. And then Mary was given the great privilege by the Holy Spirit to bear God in her womb. She, in fact, became the mother of God. And that's really simple because we already learned that Jesus is God. Jesus has a human nature and a divine nature, but he's one person, Jesus Christ, he's God, and Mary is the mother of Jesus. And if Mary is the mother of Jesus and Jesus is God, therefore Mary is the mother of God. And it's, it's, it's really that simple. So Mary, if Mary is the mother of God, if God allows himself to by means of his human nature, have a mother. And if Jesus in his sacred humanity took up all the experiences of humanity in himself, then we can say with St. John that Mary is our mother too. When Jesus at the cross gives Mary to John, he says, behold your mother, behold your son. And John, the Bible says, took her into his own 
He took her as his mother. He took her and cared for her. He took her into his house and he took her into his heart as a mother. So too, we are called to do the same thing as disciples. The disciple John at the foot of the cross, the beloved disciple is a model for disciples of Jesus. He's the ideal disciple, so to speak. That's how he's portrayed there at the end of the gospel. And that might be why John doesn't say his name because he, he wants to be humble. And so we take Mary as our mother, Mary, who is the mother of Jesus, Jesus, who is God, and Mary, who is therefore the mother of God. The last thing is the perpetual virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary's virginity, the Catechism says, manifests God's absolute initiative in the Incarnation. The fact that Mary was always a virgin before, during, and after the birth of Jesus show beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was God who reached out, that it was God who became man, that it was God who came to save us. That it's, it is his initiative. It also shows Mary's virginity that she chose to be totally and completely devoted to God, to offer her spousal commitment to God, to offer her motherhood to God, to say, I have fallen so in love with God that I'm going to give him everything, even that deep part of my human self that is my sexuality, because I want to be totally and completely consecrated to him. When Mary says to the angel Gabriel, how can this be? For I do not know man. It indicates that she had a made a vow of consecration, uh, of consecrated virginity, we could we could say, to be with Jesus, to, or rather to be with God. She didn't know who Jesus was yet, um, but to be with God forever. Wow. Mary's dedicated and complete commitment. So even today. After the example of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we have women who choose to be consecrated virgins. We have women and men who choose to be monks or choose to be nuns or choose to be celibate um, as, as, as I am, as we priests are. Um, but especially the nuns and especially the consecrated virgins show forth the, uh, the complete and total dedication in the spousal way by their consecration like Mary. Mary was a virgin before, during, and after the birth of Jesus. So before Jesus, we, we just we just explained that we see God's absolute initiative. There was no uh, there was no human man. Saint Joseph was not involved in the conception of Jesus, though he was involved as being Jesus's father and as protecting and guiding the whole and guarding the holy family. But he had nothing to do with the conception of Jesus. But what about during and after? The birth of Jesus. Well, it says that Mary um, gave birth to our Lord Jesus Christ without any birth pangs whatsoever. And at first, like when I first heard that, that sounded weird to me. I said, well, why, why would we care if Mary had birth pangs or not? I mean, we would care about her because she would have been in pain. But like, why is that? Why is an article of a faith that Mary didn't have any birth pains? What's, what's the point? Um, the church father said that uh, Jesus came forth from the Blessed Virgin Mary like light passing through glass. But why? Why would that be? Well, it's because Mary, well, it's actually two reasons. Um, Mary had no original sin and Mary was the new Eve. So birth pangs, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter three, are a consequence of original sin. Well, Mary, if birth pangs are a consequence 
of original sin. Eve and her descendants, the, the women, will have pain in giving birth, and men will toil by the sweat of the by the sweat of their brow, and the earth will not readily yield forth its fruit. That's what God says, paraphrasing, after the fall, after we chose to sin. Well, if Mary didn't have original sin, then it would be fitting that she did not experience the consequences of original sin, that being the birth pangs. Just as she didn't uh, experience a temptation from the world and, and from the flesh. Also, Mary is the new Eve. So Eve is the mother of, of all the living. Eve wasn't supposed to have birth pangs. Eve wouldn't have had birth pangs by this preternatural gift of God, and, and, except that she sinned. So since Mary is a new Eve, Mary points us forward to the new creation and shows us the redemption of humanity. That There won't be any marriage or any giving birth in the kingdom of heaven, but Mary, by not having birth pangs, shows us the, uh, the restoration of that which was from the beginning, and then even more than that which was from the beginning. The virginal birth of Jesus from the Blessed Virgin Mary is also prophesied in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 66, chapter 7, it says, Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came upon her, she was delivered of a son. Who has heard such a thing, says verse 8? Who has seen such a thing? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her sons. So Isaiah 66 is speaking of the restoration of Jerusalem, the restoration of Zion, the restoration of God's holy people. And as Mary is the mother of the church, as Jesus is, in a sense, the recapitulation of the people of Israel, that this prophecy of Isaiah 66 can be applied to Mary, which says that before her pain came upon her, she was delivered of a, of a, of a son. So, Mary's virginity before uh, conceiving Jesus was prophesied in, in another place in the book of the prophet Isaiah. Mary's virginity during the birth of Jesus was prophesied in Isaiah 66. And then Mary remained a virgin for her whole life long because she was dedicated to God. We see that, like I already said, in Luke when she says, I do not know man um, because she wanted to give herself completely and totally to the Lord. However, some people might say, well, but what about where the Bible talks about those brothers and sisters of Jesus? Doesn't that mean that like Mary, Mary had other children? Well, no, it doesn't because uh, the, the term brothers and sisters uh, in, in ancient Semitic usage and in some like, for example, in some places in Africa, they use it this way too. The word brother and sister can mean close relative, like like a cousin or, or something like that. In some places in Africa that, that I know of, for instance, in uh, parts, at least parts of Uganda, they'll even call like their, what we call the, an aunt. They'll call them their mother. <laughs> they'll say, that's my mother and that's my mother and that's my mother. And they're like, well, what do you mean? How do you have three mothers? Well, that's my mother and then that's my mother's sister who's also my mother and then that's my mother's other sister who's my mother. That's just that's how people talk in different times and in, in different places and in different cultures. And so similarly, in, uh, in Jesus' time, they would call close relatives uh, their brothers. But nonetheless, they, they did have a word for a close relative and they did have a word for brother. And even though they would use the word brother to mean close relative, we can say, well, 
Couldn't the, couldn't the gospel writers make it clear? Couldn't they just use close relative? It's sungenes. If you're interested, that's a Greek word for like close relative. And um, well, I guess they could have, but actually the Bible makes it clear enough because um, in Matthew 13, 55, they ask, the, the, some, the people in Nazareth, I think they say, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Okay, all right, so Jesus has brothers, that is cousins, um, named James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Well, how do we know that they're not Mary's children? Well, that was Matthew 13, but if we go to Matthew 27, we see that those who are at the foot of the cross is Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. So not only was Mary the mother of Jesus along with John the apostle there at the foot of the cross as we see in John chapter 20, but Matthew uh, chapter 27 verse 56 says, hey, there's this other Mary and who are her sons? At least two of them, James and Joseph. And in Matthew 13, we heard that the brothers of Jesus were whom? Were James and Joseph. And if that's not enough, at Matthew 28 one, we see that she actually has a, um, Matthew actually calls her the other Mary. After the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the Lord's tomb. That is Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. And also uh, we can deduce Simon and Judas, um, who, who, uh, Simon who ended up, James and Simon who ended up being bishops of Jerusalem after the resurrection. So. Mary uh, is full of grace, conceived immaculately, preserved from all stain of original sin at her conception, all sin throughout the whole of her life. Mary is the mother of God because Jesus is God. Mary is the mother of Jesus. Mary is the mother of God. And Mary is perpetual virgin before, during, and after the birth of Jesus. Mary is the new Eve who is the spouse of the Holy Spirit, having given herself, consecrated herself totally and completely to God. So might we allow her to be our mother might, and, and might we imitate her consecration, her deep and abiding and forever love for God. Amen. It's good to be with y'all as always. Um, hey, remember to, to like and to follow and to leave good reviews on uh, iTunes or on Spotify. If you can do that on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, like us, follow us, subscribe. Um, let other people know about this podcast if it has been a blessing to you Um, remember if it has been a blessing you'd like to make a donation to Holy Cross uh, you can always do that by going to holycrossmc.org any donations for that go straight to Holy Cross Parish I don't touch that that has nothing to do with me Um, but simply to the parish to support uh, the mission of forming disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ here in Morgan City Louisiana God bless you talk to you soon